In our study of 1 Thessalonians, we come to chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Rejoice evermore, or rejoice always, or be joyful always. And the title of the sermon is what you said, right? Rejoice always? Really? <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. A secondary text is Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. I, I believe that it uh, was Paul saying through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now when this is read to the Philippian church, and the person up front reading this letter to them says, rejoice in the Lord always, they're going to get some pushback. And so I need to repeat it. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, these verses, 16, 17, and 18, are really a trilogy. Uh, I don't have the stamina nor desire, nor do you have the stamina or desire to be here for about 100 minutes today so that I can preach all three of these verses together. Uh, we're not going to do that. But I do encourage you, make sure you hit these next three sermons because they are standalone, but yet they're a trilogy. They're, I believe they're inseparable. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, start with these three verses. Every scholar that I've studied in, in putting these together over the last several weeks believes that that phrase, this is God's will for you, modifies all three of those statements. Rejoice in the Lord always, this is God's will for you. Pray without ceasing, this is God's will for you. And everything give thanks, this is God's will for you. So if you're struggling to find God's will, start with these three things that you know is God's will for you, and then let God reveal more to you. I believe they're inseparable because I don't believe you can rejoice always unless you have learned how to give thanks in every circumstance. Because if you're grumbling and complaining and whining and moaning in those circumstances, you're not going to be able to rejoice. You can only rejoice as you have learned to give thanks and everything. Somebody put it this way, gratitude is the seed for joy. And both of those things, rejoicing always, giving thanks and everything, those are supernatural abilities. I, I don't believe the most positive of positive thinkers can do those 100% of the time. No matter how positive you are, no matter how often you look in the mirror and say, I can do this, you know, and give yourself all these affirmations, which is fine to do, but it doesn't matter how many of those affirmations you give yourself, you're going to have at least a five-minute span sometime in your life when you're not going to be able to give thanks for everything and you're not going to be rejoicing evermore. They are supernatural abilities. Therefore, we must stay in contact with our supernatural God by praying without ceasing. So these, I believe, are inseparable. They are a trilogy. Uh, and we're looking today at verse 16. The King James rejoice evermore. The, the New American Standard, the NIV 
be joyful always or rejoice always. I'm going to give you some information now so that the next time you have a Bible trivia quiz, you can get in a fight with the person leading the quiz. You think, and so did I, that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. It is in English. But the New Testament was written in the Greek language. And in the Greek language, Jesus wept is actually three words of some length. This verse, rejoice evermore, is actually in the Greek language, the shortest verse in the Bible. Two short words. So mess up the next time you have Bible trivia. No, the shortest verse in the Bible is rejoice evermore. The preacher said so. But <laughs> I heard about a guy who was taking a tour of one of our major cities. And he was with the guide. And it was a Sunday morning. And they were going down. And there was a particular church there that they wanted to at least you know, open the door and peek into. So they opened the door and peeked into it, and, and the guy who was on the tour didn't know too much about church and worship, and so he asked the guide, what are they doing in there? And he said, they are worshiping. And the man said, why are they worshiping? And the guide responded, because they have been saved by the grace of God, and they're going to heaven, and they're going to live with him forever. And the man looked at the people in the church and then looked at the guide and he said, do they know that? Because <laughs> sometimes you wonder, don't you? Um, that's why I like that version of Rejoice, the Lord is King. It's the same rhythm of the song that you sing with a pipe organ. But I just liked the, the uh, background of it, a little more feeling more up-tempo, even though it was the same tempo of the song. Lloyd John Ogilvie, who for several years was the chaplain of the United States Senate, tells of a friend who he said every time we got together for coffee or whatever when he left he would shake my hand look me in the eye and say whatever you do don't miss the joy that hit me because aren't you finding it easier and easier to miss the joy in our world today life is hard and it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. And, and the news is, is dreadful. And, uh, you know, we have people that we love and care about going through massive challenges in their lives. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the joy. Robert Louis Stevenson said to miss the joy is to miss everything. And it, I've kind of been under conviction over these last couple of weeks working on this. Like, I, I've been missing the joy. You know, we get our nose to the grindstone and just put our head down and keep grinding. There's not a whole lot of joy in grinding. Don't miss the joy. William Barclay said, A gloomy Christian is a contradiction of terms. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more damage than its connection with black clothes and long faces. Phillips Brooks said, the religion that makes a man look sick certainly won't cure the world. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you so that your joy may be full. But let's make sure that we know what we're talking about. 
Biblical joy is not happiness. Too many times we use those words as synonyms. They are not. Biblical joy is not happiness. Paul did not say be happy all the time. He said rejoice all the time. <clears throat> Let me give you some distinctions. Happiness is external. It's based on outside things. You feel happy you know, when you get your dream car, or you move to the nicer house, or you get the better promotion, or you get a new outfit, or, you know, whatever, your meal was perfect, you know, it's based on external things. Joy is internal. Somebody said joy is an inside job. It is a spirit within us. Happiness, as we've already indicated by the externality of it, is based on circumstances. It's based on people. It's based on attaining some modicum of success. It's based on, I mean, happiness, the root of the word is happenings or happenstance. Happiness is based on what's happening in your circumstances. Joy is based in Christ. Happiness is based on our feelings. Joy is based in faith. You know, one of the most ridiculous things that we say in church, I try not to, I hope I don't, but one of the most ridiculous things I hear people saying in church is, good morning church, how y'all feeling today? Doesn't mean a thing how I'm feeling today. What matters is, what the faith says today. What matters is what are my facts today. Happiness is based on our feelings, our emotions. Joy is based in faith. And you just boil it down. Joy depends on Jesus. And happiness depends on happenings. I don't know about you. I'll cast my lot with Jesus, right? And, and, and here's something that we need to remember. Joy does not ignore hard times. Joy does not disregard sadness or grief or depression or discouragement. Joy does not negate other things going on in our lives. Please don't leave here thinking that I'm telling you pretend everything's great. Don't leave here saying, well, the preacher said I, I just had to feel bubbly and perky all the time. I heard somebody say the other day they, they ran into somebody who were just carrying heavy, heavy burdens, and, and the person said, I didn't want to be around anybody because I just couldn't do perky. You ever had those days when you just couldn't do perky? You know, that's okay. You can still have joy and not be able to do perky. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, I, this verse hit me, in, in my study of this, Paul says, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Repeat the line. I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. You can have joy with tears rolling down your face. You can have joy with your heart broken. You can have joy carrying the weight of the world. You can be sorrowful, yet rejoicing, because your joy is in the Lord, not in the circumstances. 
And if you're saying, I don't think that's possible, humanly speaking, you are correct. <laughs> Again, it is supernatural. Being able to have this joy is supernatural. And it comes from our connection with God. In fact, you may remember, if you remember from Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. The second thing that's, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of us working something up. It's not the fruit of us, you know, listening to funny jokes. It's the fruit of us connected to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So please, over all this today, this is a supernatural ability. You're going to have to pray without ceasing if you're going to be able to rejoice evermore. And come back next week and we'll talk about what it means to pray without ceasing. So let's look at some truth about joy. It is based, as we've already said, in Christ. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that word strength means a defense or a refuge. Huh. The joy of the Lord is our defense. The joy of the Lord is our refuge when everything around us is falling apart. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our secondary text, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoicing because everything's going your way, but rejoicing because God is still God. Rejoice in the Lord. This joy is a result of abiding in Christ. John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you. Well, what is the this that he has told them? He said, verse 4 of John 15, abide in me. In verse 9, he says, abide in my love. In verse 10, he says, obey my command so your joy will be full. Joy is a result of abiding in Christ. And that word abide means to have an unbroken connection, to stay connected with him. Don't you find that the closer you are to God, the easier it is to maintain joy? And when you lose sight of God and get your eyes on other things, the joy is hard to find. It is a result of abiding in Christ, a result of constant contact with him. And joy is a result of controlling our thoughts. Philippians 4.8 Whatever is true, noble, right, pure. Everybody go home and change your Twitter profile and your Facebook profile to this verse. <laughs> whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, what's that have to do with joy? Well, Philippians 4, this whole section, 
It begins with our secondary text. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he tells us how to do that. In verse 6, six he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And in verse 8, he says, control your thoughts. Certainly, you've lived long enough to know that your thoughts impact your joy. I love that. You know, it was in the song we did this morning, and it's it's from a psalm where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know. Sometimes you gotta talk to yourself. And say, okay, get your thoughts under control. You know, you, you can't stop your thought from wandering off, but you can stop it from hanging out, you know. Get get it back under control. And joy is a result of perspective. We're going to turn now to Romans chapter 5. As I say to you that joy is based on facts. Not emotions, not feelings, but facts. And perspective makes all the difference. And I call it the Romans 5 perspective. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. There's that concept again. Suffering yet rejoicing. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know facts that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation or the atonement. What does Paul tell us here? He uses the word rejoice at least three times. What does he say to rejoice? What's our perspective? First, joy comes from having hope in the future. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. God has a plan for me. And if I did not have hope for the future, I would not be able to have joy in the present. I have hope in the future. There's no situation, there's no circumstance that is hopeless for the child of God. Nothing can separate us from his love. He is working for us, not against us. He has a plan, he has a purpose, Therefore, you have a future, and ultimately that future 
is in heaven and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But until we get to the future, we got to live in the present, don't we? And part of the perspective that brings us joy is from knowing that God is in control. And that's through this passage, especially in verses 3, 4, and 5. Joy is not the absence of suffering. Joy is the presence of God. He does not say rejoice because you're suffering. He's not saying when it hurts, pretend it doesn't. He's not saying ignore reality. He's not saying act like you've got it all together. He's not saying that. He's saying God is at work producing perseverance and character and hope that will not disappoint you. God is in control. He is still working. I told you, joy is based in facts. The fact is, God is always at work in the life of a believer. The fact is, God's promises are always true and will always be fulfilled. The fact is, Romans 8, 28 and 29, God is working in all things for the good of those who love him to make us conform to the image of his son. That's a factual statement. Joy is based on facts. I heard this morning uh, a song by Torin Wells called Joy Comes in the Morning. Uh, I did not have time to get the lyrics out to you or to get the song to, to Mike to play up here for us. But you should, you should go home and look it up. Tarn Wells' Joy Comes in the Morning. Uh, maybe you can put the link in the description or the comment section. Um, and, and, and there's a line in the song, and he's talking about faith's not even faith until all your plans explode, you know. And, and he says, here's what you need to know. If it's not good, then God's not done. Let that sit. God is at work for the good of those who love him. And if it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. Keep trusting because the fact is God is at work in everything. And knowing that he is in control, I still get frustrated at him that he won't tell me what's going on. <laughs> I still get frustrated. Lord, Lord, it's Ken. Just give me a little hint of why in the world you're letting some of this stuff go on. He said, it's okay. You just trust me. You know? And I know his thoughts are higher than mine. I know his ways are higher than mine. But I, I find myself sometimes still trying to get us. We, we're not going to be able to figure it out, folks. He's God. We're not. What we know, if we're a believer and if we believe the Bible, what we know is God is in control. And what we know is God's going to have the last word and it will be good. And so we can have joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of heartache and heartbreak. We can have joy because we know God is in control. And there's another line in that song where he says something along the line, you will never be free until you let go of tomorrow. 
You know, because you know, we're trying to figure it out. Lord, when are you going to let me know? When are you going to let me know? Are you going to let me know tomorrow? You know, and, and that takes our joy away. Joy is in control. But God is in control. And third, Paul says in this passage, Romans 5, joy comes from knowing that we have peace with God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And he explains it in verses 9, 10, and 11, where he talks about the atonement. We have peace with God now because of the promises like Isaiah 43. When you pass through the deep waters, I'll be with you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you won't be burned. Maybe we need that verse. <laughs> the assurance that God is with me and he is for me through the hard times of life. God is with us. He is for us. But the ultimate peace that we have is because of the cross. The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. He said you were justified by his blood. You'll be saved from God's wrath. And we rejoice because we've received the atonement. The ultimate peace, the ultimate joy comes from remembering we've been forgiven of our sins. You know, if, if God never did anything else for you other than provide salvation, you should be able to maintain joy in every situation in life, right? Again, it's supernatural. We've got to stay connected to him. But it's a terrible day. You know, the old, any of y'all still old enough to remember hee-haw, you know? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, you know? You're going through one of those times, gloom, despair, and agony on me, and you go, oh, you know, you, you know the song, we could sing it together. But, and, and, and you know that experience if you've lived very long. But what gives us joy, if there's nothing else, is that my sins are forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven at the end of all this. I can rejoice. Again, it's supernatural. So let me wrap it up. You can obey this command. And by the way, Paul did not say, I think it would be a good idea if you tried to be more joyful. <laughs> he said, rejoice always. How do you do it? Let me re review. Make sure your joy is based in Christ. It's not joy if it's based on your promotion or your raise or material things. That's not joy. That's happiness, and that can be taken away in a moment. Make sure it's based in Christ maintain that constant relationship with him when we were growing up they taught us kids a little song about joy it said jesus and others and you j-o-y what a wonderful way to spell joy and that's that's right jesus first others and then yourself but somebody else said make the z make the o in joy a zero and let it stand for there's nothing between Jesus and you. Maintain. Now, now you're going to lose a spelling bee if you spell joy J-0-Y. <laughs> you're going to lose. But, but you know, just, just kind of think about that. I mean, you know, that nothing between me and Christ. 
Because, again, joy only is possible as we are in constant contact with him. The fruit of the Spirit, the kingdom of God, maintain that constant relationship. Don't ever lose the joy of your salvation. When David was at the darkest time of his life, brought on largely because of his sin, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Maybe that's a prayer you ought to pray. <laughs> Lord, I'm having trouble keeping joyful. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Control your thoughts. Make sure your thoughts are in line with Philippians 4.8 and keep that Romans 5 perspective, you know, just the facts. And begin thanking him that he is always in control. We're not pretending everything's okay. We are practicing in our daily life what our faith tells us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The waters will not overwhelm me. The fire will not burn me. As I'm going through suffering, I can still rejoice. Father, that's not humanly possible, but it is supernaturally possible. And so I pray that you would help us to, to lean into you, to depend on you, to stay connected with you, to keep our thoughts fixed on you. You said you would keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds fixed on you. And so, Father, help us. And, and it's hard to just take this by itself because we need to learn how to give thanks in everything and we sure need to learn how to pray continually so that we can rejoice evermore. Help us, Father, to put into practice in our daily lives these practices to help us learn how to be able to rejoice in everything. Thank you that you make it possible. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace and his joy now and evermore. Amen. Thanks for tuning in.